0: From Native Solidarity News, I'm Wayne Robinson, and today we embark on a new chapter in this radio program. Uh, two weeks ago, we said goodbye to our Mohawk brother, uh, Erkar, who <laughs> who has held Native Solidarity News for the past 13 years. It is with all sincerity that we wish him the greatest of luck in his future endeavors and a big shi um for all the work he has done, keeping this show afloat. In order to fill the shoes of our car, we have started a collective of urban Indigenous voices from across Canada, now residing in Montreal. Um, <clears throat> we are joined by members of the Urban Indigenous Radio Collective. Um, we'll take a moment now to allow each of our collaborators to introduce themselves. Um, so yeah, if you, everybody can just let us know
1: uh, which community you're from, um, your name, and uh, a bit about yourself. Hi, uh, I'm George Lenzer. I'm from Terrace, British Columbia. I'm Nishka, Squamish, Wissotan, German, and Belgian. Um, I came to Montreal uh, four years ago uh, to further my career in cooking.
2: Woo! say go everyone. My name is Zena Cowan. I'm Ganyangahaga, uh, Irish and Scottish, and I'm a Montreal girl. I've been here for 28 years, my whole life, and it's awesome to be here with this lovely collective and uh, on our first episode together. Yeah, so that's what I'm about.
3: Hi. Uh, my name is Trina Slapkoff. I'm a Montrealer uh, because I was adopted out of my community, uh, Norway House Cree Nation in northern Manitoba. So uh, my mother's Métis, and I guess the rumor is that there's some Spanish and, Spanish and Belgian blood, too, in me. But my father's full blood. And uh, I'm very glad to be here, so thanks a lot.
0: Yeah, so uh, welcome, everybody. Uh, I'm Wayne Robinson. I'm uh, Ojibwe from the Pick River First Nations. Um, been here in Montreal for the last five years. i um, really, really excited to be here and really, really excited for tonight. I think we're going to have a really good program. Um, so I think the first thing we really wanted to start talking about is uh, why we're here, um, what this urban indigenous radio collective is um, why why we're on the air right now um, did anybody want to like sort of give their thoughts on what yeah. brought them here today
1: um, I just absolutely love music so if there's something to do with radio I'd love to get my foot in the door with kind of uh, sharing our own music and taste and that and um, share experiences within the scene here or even with um, what kind of events are happening um, whether it be indigenous or just something cool that we all like to go to um, but um yeah i just also think that there's like not much and not many indigenous people on the radio sharing their experiences and um sharing just what i don't know anything any of their interests so i i just want to um be a part of this and just see how it goes and learn something new as we go it's amazing
2: awesome I'll, uh, I'll jump in next. Um, I love radio. Uh, I love podcasts. Um, I like listening to things even more than watching things. Um, and I grew up with the radio. Uh, my mom was a broadcaster at CBC for 35 years. Um, she had a jazz show. Uh, so I always grew up with radio in the home. Uh, and like George, uh, I don't... Uh, hear enough Indigenous voices on the airwaves right now. Um, So I think that an initiative like this is totally kick-ass. And uh, honestly, one of my favourite pastimes is just sitting around with my friends and talking and shooting the shit and uh, getting creative. Um, So why not do it on the radio with you guys? Um, And we can talk about uh, politics, music, fashion, food, culture, uh, whatever we want, it's a it's a really cool space. So when Wayne, when you presented this this project to me, it was a no brainer.
0: Oh, amazing! Agreed. And we're so happy to have everyone here. Uh, Trina, did you want to share a bit about what, what what brought you here today?
3: Well, I am um, as a Somebody who listened to uh, Native Solidarity News, I was so happy about the show just being like in existence, for example, and um, all the topics that have been covered. And then I realized when Erkar said that he wanted people to um, come in to to take over, I immediately um, wanted to help. You know, and um, it's a uh, it's there's so much to do like. Um, in terms of creating voices for Aboriginal people, so it's like it, it's like it's just a very good opportunity for people to to express themselves, and I wanted to support that in any way I could, so that's why I'm here. And I also like really love music, so <laughs> I and mean, music is like uh, a, such a great thing, like to to be able to choose songs and air them. That's I think that's really cool, and to talk about things like I also really just like talking with my friends too so it, it, hopefully it'll be like a lot of fun to just uh, be able to cover topics
2: thanks no. can i just add one thing yes, wayne please, please i think sir. there's also something really powerful about radio like nobody's seeing us right now like trina's like <laughs> next to me like she's looking awesome like her hair is fly she's got her lipstick on and but but like you know there's a certain pressure that's taken off of us Um, when, you know, we're just sort of heard. um, And I've always found that to be one of the big magical elements of radio. So talking about, you know, sharing our voices, um, you know, maybe some of us who will come come on air um, haven't shared on the radio before this will be our first time telling our stories it's a safe space Mm -hmm. um, which i think is really cool
0: and i think that's something we're going to strive for Mm -hmm. um you know i I think you know talking about the work that our has done over the last 13 years has been amazing uh to helm a radio show by himself for so long the, the amount of work that that takes so i think when we we wanted to take up this challenge we wanted to um, know that we couldn't do that. We, we we didn't have that you know that that tenacity. Um, uh, we, we all have a lot of things that we're doing in our lives, um, so we really wanted to come together as a collective to have a group of us to come and share this responsibility um, to really um, try to amplify the voices of Indigenous peoples uh, now residing here in Montreal. Um, yeah, and, and I love the format of being a, a news program to really look at decolonizing uh, what those concepts are. Mm-hmm. And Trina, I could see oh, your...
3: Because uh, I just thought it might be funny to add a little uh, anecdote because um, when I first learned about the show, it wasn't with Urkar, actually. It was mm-hmm. with Adam, who was here before Erkar mm-hmm. And um, he had actually gotten a few of us to come in and to learn a bit about how to... How to sit in, like how to um, man the stations, I guess you'd say. So I mean, so I was like, um, I had known about the show before Urkar had had come in, and um, it's uh, it's just so good that like there's been this continuity and it's like a strong voice, and it's solidarity is the way that I was first introduced to it. But I mean, it's um, like we're we're I think we're we're trying to. Um, Figure out how we're gonna work uh, in the show. So uh, well,
0: maybe the follow-up then, like, what, what does the Native Solidarity News mean? Like, what what does that term mean to you? Mm-hmm. How how are yeah how are we showing that through our voices?
1: Well, I think it's often we have to just think about what it what does solidarity in general mean to us, especially if, if we're a Native Solidarity News show. But we're all like Native here anyway, so <laughs> we're showing solidarity amongst ourselves and our, our you know our um our community. So how I, if anyone's going to know our problems the um, the best it's going to be us so how can we help each other when we can um i think that's uh, something a lot of people a lot of academics um struggle with really showing how can we be in solidarity with someone um physically and or just you know even talking to them uh we always talk about solidarity as a concept but and we always will sometimes say that, yeah, hey, we're in solidarity, but, like, what are you actually doing? How are you expressing this?
0: And, and you know, for me, like, uh, even when I'm thinking about the term solidarity, um, there's this idea of, like, you know, a power imbalance and somebody with more power sharing with somebody with less power. And that that's the true, you know, use of solidarity. Mm-hmm. But my argument would be, look at the amazing people we have around the speak, the mics today. There is a lot of power here. We're not looking for that. You know, and it's really about amplifying those voices that are already existing, Mm -hmm. talking about the work we're already doing. You know, we don't need them. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, this is a space, uh, I think, where we really want to open this up and really share what's going on. Uh, Later on today, we're going to talk about a lot of the amazing work um, we've all been doing um, coming up. Um, So
2: Zina. Yeah, and if I can just add um, on the topic of solidarity, too, that doesn't mean that we all need to have the same opinions about um, topics or issues that come up in our communities. It would be pretty boring if yeah. every show we all sat around and we all had the same thoughts and feelings and opinions about topics. It's like, so where's the discussion? Um, but we're all bringing different indigenous voices to the table. And you know, we see that in our communities, whether we're talking about spirituality or the environment, um, or education. You'll find lots of different voices in our communities mm-hmm. about those topics. But it's interesting to hear all of them sitting around one table.
0: Yeah, I think it's a huge step forward that, that you know, we, we have these we're moving away from this pan indigenous idea of like, you know, all native people are this.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and instead, you know we look at the diversity we have in this room alone. Um, if we look at the diversity of the, the members that make up our, our collective um the the wealth of experiences there I think again, going back to the idea for too long we've been asking other people for help or asking for other people to ha- ha- be our voice um, I, I think we're at the point where we need to amplify our own voices mm-hmm. i mean, this is this mm-hmm. was my whole idea of like why we need indigenous news programming. what does that look like and, and how does it? Um, show itself and i think that's this this is indigenous news this is this is indigenous peoples with um a bunch of shared experiences but a bunch of varied experience too i mean this this is going to be a place you know uh, to disagree with each other this is going to be a place where we can talk about uh issues that affect indigenous peoples uh both in community and, and in the city
3: absolutely okay should we bring up some questions
0: That we have? (laughs) uh, Shoot away, Trina. (laughs)
3: Trina? Well, I mean, uh, one thing that I find um, happening a lot in Montreal lately with the Aboriginal community is that there's so much more um, representation going on. Because I've been Mm -hmm. a community worker for the last 20 years here in Montreal. I was there with the first friendship center that was on Cottaner Street, like in 1994. I was a socio-cultural coordinator, and we had like a small kitchen and we had a small room where people would gather and like play Scrabble or whatnot. But I mean, it's it's now we have like two friendship center centers, you know, and they're big places, and they've they've um, created other offshoots of these big organizations now that are like that are province-wide you know so there's been such a development in academia in all these in there's a whole new generation of people who are aware more more aware about like how to be strong how to be how to maintain their their heritage how to like express themselves and like so there's a lot of things happening in Montreal mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always like and especially with the like like the power of Facebook or any of these social media, like people are really using it mm-hmm. in, the, in the First Nations Indigenous communities to, to, to bring themselves together. So,
2: And Trina, you know what that makes me think of? Um, now that like, indig- our, you know, our cultures and our, and our voices are getting more and more out there, we're starting to see a greater response from non-Indigenous peeps and you know we do see this sort of rise of like the word ally is a word that we're hearing a lot these days Mm -hmm. allyship um you know uh and you know what that you know what that means um yeah
0: you know and i think that's the question we had for ourselves like what is the role of allies um Where do we want them to be you know do we want them to be a part of our show? Do we want them to be a part of our collective?
4: Mm-hmm.
0: why what are the pros? what are the cons? I mean, I know we all come from different backgrounds, working in different places um George, I, I'm thinking about like some of the work you do in kitchens mm-hmm. um' cause, you know
2: George is a really good chef.
0: George yeah. is an amazing chef who's had a lot of like a lot of media attention in the last few years. Ooh, I mean, I, yeah, I was very yeah. excited to have met George Lesnar and his amazing cooking. But can you tell us a bit about your story, a bit about um,
1: what got you into cooking? Um, it's kind of a sad story, but it, 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 hopefully it'll <laughs> become i I'm hoping it becomes a happy one. I don't I'd mean laugh to laugh when you say it. that. I, it's true, though. <laughs> um, no, so I was just not doing so well in high school. Um, I was living with my brother in Terrace, BC, and my parents or my mom was just getting off the streets in downtown east side vancouver and uh my sisters were helping her out and then my mom ran into some money and she sent me a she called me up and just said hey like i miss you come visit me i'm in vancouver uh i got a house now come come hang out i said okay sure I'll, i'll visit you for the summer like i gotta go back to high school um come next uh come to come the fall so uh, i just went and then uh, my mom's like uh bought me a plane ticket and i asked her I was, so when do i go home like i need to go to school mom she's like oh you're not going home you're <laughs> getting a job like you're gonna you're gonna go pay for your own plane ticket so um it i landed a job at grouse mountain started cooking mm-hmm. and then i started volunteering at salvation army cooking for homeless and less fortunate families um right from the beginning there's no no experience before that and i just started cooking like crazy and a couple of years passed and then my mom passed away um right once i started working at a fine dining place um got really depressed and didn't want to cook no more and then kind of went to culinary school and try and get myself back up on my feet and turns out i was very good at it and i agree
0: mm-hmm. graduated
1: taught my class and yeah. ended up here in montreal that somehow a I Joe Beef, so that's uh, wow. four years ago, and then here I am. Yeah,
3: Joe Beef's very, like, prestigious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. But I've heard you talk about your cooking, and you have, like, um, a lot of uh, uh, creative ideas. Like, I think you try to... You, you know about smoking meat, mm-hmm. uh, but I like mean, in the native way.
0: And yeah, then we would we call that <laughs>
3: indigenizing yeah. meat? No, but also like these are modern like food techniques. He's incorporating <laughs> like traditional flavors into modern food techniques. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. really very interesting. Yeah,
1: I'm trying to mix tr- mix traditional know made food like whether it be that smoked salmon then i want to mix it with a little bit of our bologna mustard sandwiches you know yes. that's that's my style <laughs> those two cuisines i want to marry them together and mm-hmm. whatever comes out that's, that's that's beyond me you know
0: i i think it's funny that we're talking about food right now because I, I think a big part of uh, any sort of identity no matter which community you're from um it, it, it comes down to the food
2: totally everybody yeah. loves good mm-hmm. food
0: and, and i think one of my um I don't know if it's my favorite story or one of my most troubling story is, you know, the history of Bannock. Mm -hmm. You know, um, (laughs) we we talked earlier about the diversity within this room and within our collective and within our city. Indigenous peoples from all across Canada. Indigenous peoples from all across North America. And and, um, there aren't a lot of uh, pan-Indigenous issues or or, or stuff. But there's one thing that almost happens in every community, and that's Bannock. Some sort of... uh, fry bread mm-hmm. or, or even the baked bannock oh i hate bannock
2: <laughs> you hate it Oh, I
1: hate it. and this is what i'm getting to and yeah. why do you hate it george well i love fry bread let's make that mm-hmm. clear i love it <laughs> but bannock i cannot stand it it's it's a it's a very plain white dense bread that has very little flavor it's just purely made for us to survive that's all it was well, made for
3: i think it's a generational thing because when i was young bannock was fry bread
1: Oh, but I now they cool. like
3: they're trying to take the grease well, out of Bannock. I think it depends which community you're coming from, because <laughs> because I
0: think make it two right. separate things. There is definitely that that, that break between what do you call Bannock. Like in my, in my community, was always fried bread was Bannock. Um, mm-hmm. But but even for me, like you know, I'll share a bit. Like growing up, I, I wasn't a proud Indigenous person. Mm-hmm. Growing right. up, you know, yeah. uh, is a result uh, of colonization. Is a result uh, of the portrayal of Indigenous peoples. Mm-hmm. I was not proud to be who I was. Mm-hmm. But because we grew up in poverty, Bannock was something we had, something mm-hmm. we shared. So so when we went to high school, um, and they had those cultural days, uh, and everybody brought in food from their nation, from their communities, I brought the Bannock in. <laughs> just because I mean, that's what I had to do, and I loved it. Um, and it was only years later. So, so the one thing that I think that identified all Indigenous, the one pan-Indigenous concept I can think of is the Bannock. Mm-hmm. And then to find out, we didn't have this Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. all of us very few communities had a way of creating this so so why has it become so pan-indigenous and 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 I think the answer is you know when we were moved from our traditional hunting and fishing lands put into um, reservations into communities we were not able to practice the ways we organized and and collected food Mm -hmm. Um, instead we had to rely really on the rations that were given to us and that was the flour the mm-hmm. lard, the salt, and, and you put them together and it's really hard to come up with anything else except
1: <laughs> bannock. Yeah, and it was even the Indian agents that were controlling kind of the border of reservations. Mm-hmm. Um, they would even take it upon themselves to swap um, the food storages from indigenous peoples and swap the meat, all the healthy things that we got ourselves, yeah. and swap it with white flour, white sugar, lard, oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. baking powder. Yeah, they, and all would, these they,
3: were, they tried to make us believe that it was... Valuable. Mm-hmm. This flour was so valuable when it really was not anywhere nearly as valuable as the meat that we had hunted.
0: Mm-hmm. Not yeah. valuable, but <laughs> delicious. I, I will add that. You know, <laughs> this is a caveat. I, I do love me some fried bread. Yeah. <laughs> but they, they, oh. they, it was a,
3: I, I've, I've seen it written up also that uh, it was a, a practice where they would, uh, they convinced us to, to to get flour when, you know, it was mm-hmm. a bad, it wasn't good. Flour's not generally, white flour's not generally as good as, like when you don't have a lot to eat, as good as mm-hmm. having a bit of protein, you know. <laughs> so.
1: But Wayne, I thought it was interesting when you were talking about how um, that's another thing that we share a lot with in our indigenous uh, communities that we feel when we're younger. Often we feel like we hate ourselves or we don't want to be indigenous or it's struggling to find where we fit in this country. Um, I, know, I think, did, would you like to go further on that? I think well, that's well, a pretty know, interesting me, concept. It, it,
0: wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't other indigenous people telling me how I shouldn't dislike being indigenous. Mm-hmm. And if there was, there was issues for that. For me, it, it was these non-indigenous voices. It, it was the cowboy in Western films. Mm-hmm. It was those portrayals of indigenous peoples.
2: You were never uh, the, the hero.
0: Never the hero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You were the sidekick. And, yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Tonto.
0: And I think this, this led uh, to a lot of indigenous peoples not being proud of their community. And this is why I think it's important that we have this voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is why I think it's important that we're not asking for allies to come in and speak on our behalf. Mm-hmm. This is why we, we have this, this venue now to have these conversations in totally.
2: yeah. and in and in sharing our voices, I think like we're starting to see a much stronger indigenous presence from start to finish. Like we're starting to see more indigenous directors, more indigenous producers, sound editors, um photographers, um, radio hosts. And like I'm really proud of like what I'm seeing going on at CBC. CBC Indigenous, um, like they're doing, they're, you know, they're putting a lot of Indigenous journalists at the forefront, so um, absolutely it's a good time to be Indigenous for sure.
0: It is a good day to it's, be Indigenous. Uh, yes. A good
2: day! <laughs> <laughs> we
0: got to add that every single time, every day. You know, it has that, to be. For those of you that don't know, uh, there, there's probably one of my favourite movies ever, Smoke Signals. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they, they have a program where they The beginning of the show is a radio show, so so when we were asked to do this, I, I think the biggest joke was like, how can we be, you know, that radio? How can we be John Trudeau? <laughs> um, like it, Janelle, it, Trudeau, Trudeau,
2: Ch- <laughs> Evan yeah. Adams. Yeah. Uh, can I guys? I met him a couple of weeks ago. I he's a Evan doctor. Oh, he's such a
3: <sighs> sweet man. He, and he's, he's so, so smart. Nice.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Only good things to say about Mr. Mr. Adams. So, so
0: I think we're going to maybe take a bit of a break soon, uh, maybe do a bit more celebrating of that uh, indigenous culture by, by bringing up a band that I love, uh, a tribe called Red. Um, we're going to celebrate some of the sisters here in the room and hopefully some of the sisters living, listening across Montreal and across Canada. Um, so, yeah, let, let's so pull up. Welcome back. Uh, the time is now six twenty-eight p.m. and you're listening to ninety point three CKUT, Native Solidarity News. Um, yeah, that's such a great song. Yeah, yeah, totally uh, into am it. Rockin' the sisters, Hallelujah. rocking the sisters. Yeah. Um, Zena, hey, you are doing some amazing stuff right now. Can you tell us a bit about what you're doing?
2: Sure. Um, so uh, for anyone who's just tuning in, uh, Zena Cowan here. I'm a Montreal gal, um, uh, but one of the big projects that I'm working on at the moment is Indigenous Fashion Week Toronto, uh, and that's happening from May 31st until June 3rd. And this is the first ever uh, Indigenous Fashion Week happening in Toronto. It's a follow-up to the Indigenous Fashion Week Vancouver, which took place uh, last year and was a total hit. Um, And I think we can all agree Indigenous fashion rocks. Mm-hmm. Like, we've oh, got yeah. some of the best uh, styles around, like our beadwork, our leatherwork, uh, our furs. Have you um, seen the
1: moose thong? Oh,
2: wow. Wow, wow. <laughs> seal skin. You guys, I'm obsessed. My wallet is seal skin. And it's not, and it <laughs> goes so far beyond just regular fashion. You know, indigenous fashion has um real cultural relevance real political relevance um so it's sort of it's a no-brainer for us to be creating our our own fashion week at this time in history and i know for me like wayne knows this like i'm a total like i don't bead i don't sew like i don't have that many skills but i am a really good shopper and i like to wear indigenous fashion and show it off and celebrate the designers that i'm wearing and um I find that when I'm wearing uh, an indigenous piece, it's a really great conversation starter. So somebody Mm -hmm. will stop me on the street and say, oh my gosh, what's that awesome cape you're wearing? Or what are those boots, aka mukluks, that you're wearing? Mm -hmm. And it's a cool opportunity for me to tell them about the artist who made them, where they're from, um, what the story is behind the beadwork, because we know that all beadwork uh, has a story behind it.
3: can I, can I add to you? Sure. What you've just said? Of course. Well, as an Aboriginal person growing up in the city, I don't know, I have very big shoulders. And, like, they're bigger than men, even when I was, like, very, very, very slender. So, I mean, as a woman, for, to buy women's clothes that fit for an Aboriginal woman, mm-hmm. it, there, there weren't. And, like, some, some Aboriginal women just are not shaped the same way. That they make clothes, <laughs> and I mean, I guess it's part of being um, you know, like um, the, they don't they don't really address they never really addressed native people mm. a, as equals for a long time. So now it's so great that hopefully they'll be making clothes that like have a bigger shoulder for the woman, you know, and have like, well, smaller hip for the for the woman also. Trina, I,
0: I think when you're talking about they making the clothes. I, well, whoever think, made
3: the clothes, well, well, I, think, I had a problem
2: getting clothes that would fit yeah. me, and I still do. <laughs> and Trina, that's so, it's so cool that you say that because like I hope as many of you can come to Fashion Week as possible because right. when you see our runways and when you see the gorgeous models on our runways, it's a totally different scene than what you get at a regular you know Toronto Fashion Week, New York Fashion Week, blah blah.
0: And this is where I want to get back to that statement, the clothes they make for us.
2: Mm. It, well, I, I Correct didn't me mean if to I'm wrong. Like
0: correct me if I'm wrong. It's not they that are making them for it. It's us that are making these clothes. It's for us, by us. So it, it, we're not asking for people who are not Indigenous to come and, and create clothes for mm-hmm. us. Instead, you know, like this show, where it's really about amplifying what's already there. It's about showcasing these amazing garments these amazing yeah, it's art about pieces. evolution
3: i mean because when i was young i don't think there was any uh mm-hmm. aboriginal um designers we would have to i mean uh, i um, i knew someone from the from barbados and she would make her own clothes i mean you could always make your own clothes to fit you exactly to your proportion but if you bought clothes in the store it was mm-hmm. sometimes but i always, know, always had if, a, if
0: we're even looking at like the powwow trail you're not going out and buying a regalia you're going to an elder to make it. You're going to somebody, a knowledge keeper that, that's able to create this. And, and you know, it, it, I think clothing is a big part of our identity. Mm-hmm. You know?
2: And if I can just add, I heard a designer say our gukums and our grandmothers were the original couture designers. <laughs> These gals yeah, yeah, yeah. knew how to make a piece. Oh, yes. Like, and... Um, and you're right. Like we're not going into Simon's and seeing these pieces. That's not where they are. And that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. But the cut, you the, right. the cut yeah. to the
3: to the person is a different mm-hmm. cut.
2: Which is why you know we, this, the the looks that you'll see at Indigenous Fashion Week are for all gorgeous shapes and sizes.
0: And you know what? I, I'd make one argument here, and that's uh, you know we do go to Simon's and we do mm-hmm. see Indigenous things. They're not made by Indigenous peoples. And they're not positive. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm a bit of a punk rocker. You know, growing <laughs> up, I wore a lot of skulls and stuff. And, and every second design was a dead indigenous person. Yeah. Right. What does that do to the psyche of indigenous peoples when, when they're, you know, we're not dead. We're here. Mm-hmm. The biggest act of resistance I, I think we can show is the fact that we're still here. Not only are we still here, we're celebrating.
2: Right. We're not only surviving but we're thriving. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that now uh like in an urban context, we're seeing that now with new indigenous restaurants opening up, mm-hmm. with fashion week happening. Um you know, like it's uh it's pretty clear that the celebration is underway. And sure. it's not it doesn't just happen on National Indigenous Day
3: and the discussion of like reclaiming our culture redefining our culture by ourselves like um, I heard a story recently about like uh, how um, speaking of a tribe called Red they, they said that they didn't it, it came up as a, um, a problem because a lot of people were coming to their shows wearing headdresses yeah. or wearing Redskins shirts. And some of the band members said uh, that they yeah. didn't mind. But I think ultimately they decided that they would ask the audience not to wear the headdress because it's mm-hmm. a sign of disrespect. Like the headdress is sacred for for the chief to wear. Right. You know, so like things like this are, are coming out. And... Um, that's that's the discussion, like to to not be to not have cultural appropriation of of native art. Like not to have um uh dream catchers that are sold for twenty five cents mm. that are made in Bangladesh, you know? That we that there's a whole story about like the person who thought them up, the Ojibwe man who thought them up, and then, you know, how he made these prayers and how the idea came to him and I heard this story recently told. Um, by somebody um, Nadine St. Louis she was she was talking on air at a conference and it was very uh, it was really nice to hear you know she was saying that um, a lot of art is symbolic and that it's it, it means something and it's We can't take all these meanings for granted either, Mm -hmm.
2: you know. And I think one of the cool, you bring up a really good point, and and one of the cool things about an initiative like Indigenous Fashion Week Toronto is that we're bringing together uh, Indigenous designers from lots of different cultures, so Inuit, Dene, Mohawk, um, uh, Cree, uh, and it's like, it's, they're totally different. Yeah. So for for Indigenous people to discover, you know, other cultures, um, you know, just because I'm Mohawk doesn't mean I know a ton about Inuit people. There's n- that that there's nothing there that says that I would. But I think that the perception that maybe the non-Indigenous community has is that we all know e- about each yeah. other.
1: Yeah, I get that a lot. It's like if am I'm, I'm from the West Coast, but. I'll meet some random person. They know one indigenous person who's Mi'kmaq from Halifax. And they're like, "Oh, do you know do you know John?" I'm like, "No, I don't know John from Halifax. Sorry, but."
3: But sometimes they do, you know. Sometimes they do, <laughs> yeah.
1: So Zena, one one of the things that you
0: you were bringing up was that you know this for us bias us kind of attitude. um What are your feelings? Why wasn't it just going to Montreal Fashion Week and saying, can you do an Indigenous component? Why was that not enough?
2: I think because um, what it would end up being is an add-on. It would be like, and here's the one Indigenous designer that we're including. Um, And... It just—it's not enough for us. We're far beyond that, and we always have been. Um, and Indigenous in, indig- uh, Indigenous Fashion Week Toronto is so much more than just the clothing. We also have ceremony. We have workshops. Um, it's, it's very inclusive to families and youth. Um, from start to finish, it's really an Indigenous celebration. Um, and you just wouldn't find that at regular fashion week. And we've also been really turned off by lots of um, high-end designers like D Squared putting non-Indigenous models on the runway like with ridiculous orange spray tans wearing massive headdresses. We're just like not into it.
0: Yeah. You know, and I think that's one of the things about uh, when you're talking about indigenousness and fashion is this idea of our peoples being co-opted. Mm-hmm. Our peoples being co-opted and, and presented around the world as some exotic fantasy. Come
2: look at the natives. Come
0: look at the natives. And I'm wondering, George, does this transfer over into the culinary world? Mm. Um, I think, for sure. I think we're sure. seeing like a resurgence now or an insurgence of mm-hmm. indigenous culinary um Shops and in places and can you give me some of your thoughts on
1: yeah you'll see a lot of like um restaurants across north america trying to add indigenous uh the, the just the word and label to like their dishes and offering you know mm-hmm. the three sisters soup it's just like sure we're gonna go for using ingredients but it feels kind of weird when they just like they really emphasize the word indigenous and Um, Or like
2: native to the land. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Here's here's the bison burger. Here's the bison
0: burger. We'll call it the Indian burger kind of mm -hmm. deal. (laughs)
1: And it's just a really weird concept because there's um, there's quite a few restaurants that are um, all like White owned white run, but then they will have like a TP or something, like a little bit, just because, like, oh, we're honoring the uh, Mohawk people are nearby, so like, that's we're going to show where a, do we go from here? Or, huh? <laughs> uh, right it's it's longhouse, it's, it's,
3: it's not teepee, <laughs> it's like, yeah,
1: get it right, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you'll see it around. But, um, I'm not too sure, it's kind of, I thought maybe. Um, we just need more indigenous chefs and to bring them up to the higher levels in the culinary world, which is pretty hard to actually get. Is it's, there a space
0: there for some George cooking
1: <laughs> George restaurant down the line? That's that's a long time coming, yeah. but uh, but the dream, yeah, that's the dream, yeah.
0: And couple, you know, I, I've known you for a little while now, and, and I've seen the drive, I've seen the amazing thing you're. You do, and I have no doubt that we will see that.
1: Well, if you're going to the Toronto Indigenous Fashion, we can go eat at the Indigenous restaurants there, rather yeah. than yeah, the Nish wannabes. Dish. There's Nish Dish, there's Powell wow Cafe, there's Cookem. Um, oh yeah, I think there might be one more. I'm yeah. not too sure, but those are all pretty pretty great.
2: Did you guys hear about that restaurant that was serving locally sourced meats, and there were there were all those protests outside yeah. by yes. the vegans and not to ban ve- bash veganism well, mm. It, mm. Oh, <laughs> well i, I have an good. issue
3: i have an issue with the um, with the native um food production <laughs> because um uh if you're if you're gonna start using wild game mm-hmm. you have to know how to source the meat in a way that's respectful to the cyclical yes. reproductive mm-hmm. cycles of the animal and like these are native teachings that you had to go you had to know who to talk to in the community mm-hmm. as far as i I, well, I yeah so you have to learn all these things and now like i'm i'm hearing that there's too many people coming onto native territories and hunting and mm. they're really wrecking the cycles of the the animals so oh, snap. i i i uh, i'm really I'm, I'm hoping to do something about that actually
4: mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: Um, I, I have a, a a business venture so i'm''m I'm, I'm, that's one of my things that i want to like <laughs> do research on and teach people about so that's something that i'm really i i kind of get because i i mean that's it's close to me. That's where I come from. People, people are hunters, you know, and that's right. a that's a big part of the culture. You don't you don't become a man until you get your first moose, you know, type of thing. So it's One a big I'll deal. One day, a man.
4: <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. I mean,
3: the, that's the tradition. Is like you, you should know how to provide for your family or for the for the community, right? You know, and a, a, every time there's like a big gathering. Um, it's like uh, we wait till the goose uh, hunting season and then everybody has goose to eat, you know. It, there's certain communities that still per- want to keep all these traditions alive. But, I mean, you have to figure out how to do it so that we don't take too much from the land. Anyway, I don't want to take too much time here, so.
0: No, okay. and maybe <laughs> on that point as we move a bit ahead. Um, so, so I think I'll reiterate, if you're in Toronto, May 31st to June 3rd of this year, right?
2: Absolutely, yeah. Coming up, just... Uh Yeah.
0: And quickly, where can we find out more information about Indigenous?
2: Uh, So our website is ifwtoronto.ca. And we also have a Facebook page, Indigenous Fashion Week Toronto. And we're on Instagram as well. And we've got a newsletter so you can sign up for all the deets. Be there.
0: Awesome. So maybe moving us into our next segment, um, we'll bring on one of our sisters, Kini Star, with her song, High Heels.
4: Those hands on me, I unwind, cuz I know you catch me. Lost in time, we're sharing our privacy. Hands on mine, I'll go where you take me in. High heels, like the lover inside of me. High heels, yeah, I'm wearing high heels, like the lover I wanna be. High heels. uh, uh, uh.
0: Welcome back, everybody. The time is now 6.46. um, And you are still listening to Native Solidarity News presented by the Urban Indigenous Radio Collective on 90.3 CKUT. So, yeah. Um, So, a big thank you um, to everybody for being with us. Uh, First edition of Native Solidarity News presented by the urban indigenous radio collective um uh, I, I really want to take some time to to encourage people to come uh be a part of this show um if you want to be a part of radio that's designed by and for uh, indigenous peoples here in montreal please feel free to reach out to us at urban radio at gmail.com um search for us on facebook we'll have a facebook group up very soon Um, but yeah, I didn't want to stifle our conversation. I think we're getting in some really cool topics. Um, so, so with the last bit of the show, um, let's talk about the future. Mm. Let's talk about our aspirations for the show. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about things we might want to see coming up. Um, any ideas?
3: I think my idea is a little, uh. Uh, mundane but I'm gonna say it anyway
2: um, you can't open it with that
3: <laughs> Well I don't know maybe people really like it um, The thing is it's it's like a it's like a tradition almost to play bingo and uh, I know that there's um, people who do it in Verdun but in this neighborhood I was wondering if there's people who want to get together to, to do bingo so I, I was wondering if people could call in and let us know.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: and then my other issue that, I, that I, I have is that when I go out shopping and I use my status card, sometimes they don't want to honor it. So I know that I looked this up. I did the research that they're not, they're not forced to honor the status card. But I figure if more people were able to um, put pressure like, by just trying to use their status cards, that people would get, would would understand more what the what the concept is there. That, like, um, you can save some money. I mean, sometimes people really have to save money, you know, mm-hmm. because of what they've been through, well, you know, because I, of genocide. I think, I
0: think one of the things I'm going to, you know, it's not about saving money. When we're talking about people that are using status cards, there are people that are recognized under uh, treaties. Um, this It's not a discount card. Um, this is really about inserting indigenous sovereignty over um, these agreements that were made and still need to be honored by our, our, the governments today mm-hmm. and the same governments who who tried to destroy us. So So I, I just wanted to like jump in there. Oh, I agree
3: with you. Yeah.
0: Um, and I think that's going to be a really great topic for, for mm-hmm. a future episode. I think we can really delve into ideas um, around um, sovereignty around, Uh, the Indian Act, around how that plays out in our everyday life, Mm -hmm. around what rights Indigenous peoples have, how we're going to insert them. Um, Yeah.
2: And and it's so interesting to think about all of that within the urban context uh, that we live. Um, And I'm really excited to, I mean, there's so much going on in Montreal Mm -hmm. all the time in the Indigenous scene. Like, if we wanted to be out and about, Every evening, going to a different event, yeah. or talk, or protest, or shindig, or whatever we could be. So I'm also looking forward to using this platform as an opportunity to um, promote what's going on um, and and to promote the voices that are definitely. Mm-hmm.
0: So so please find us on social media. We're mm-hmm. we're all. Or please find us. You know, send us an email. Let us know what's coming up. Let's have conversations about that on the show. This is the place for that voice.
1: Yeah, I'd like to see. Uh, more of kind of offshoot of what trina was saying was uh, i'd like to see how um people can relate from what has happened what kind of um law or um like like, just like how the indian act has has affected us personally like in so many different ways Mm. Whether it be the status card or through a loved one going to residential school or in a segregated indian hospital like It's interesting to always hear how it has directly affected someone, a human person, through like a governmental policy. So Mm -hmm. every time I hear that, I think that's very powerful and it's it's almost, uh, I don't know, it's interesting. So I'd I'd like Mm -hmm. to invite whoever hears this, if if they have a story that they want to share, that they think about where a governmental policy or law or whatever has affected you, I'd love to hear more about that. I'd like yeah. to know how has that affected you, and what do you want to do to change that?
2: And I think it would be interesting to hear how we're looking at um, those injustices and trying to change them through our artists, through our yes. lawyers, through our educators, um, through our social workers, um, through our chefs. We're doing it in all different ways. Mm-hmm
0: yeah um i I think it's really exciting um you know being here in montreal being seeing everybody um and and all these talents uh, but i think my one biggest regret is not having as big of a connection to my community Mm -hmm. and and what that means to me how that really helped define who i am as an indigenous person Mm -hmm. um and, and how it took me a, a lot of years to get this place. Yeah. Uh, uh, where you're where saying where I think I, I'm proud now. I'm a very proud Ojibwe mm-hmm. man. Um, and that pride assertive. is still
2: developing.
0: Yes. And, and, and I think we're at a very exciting place where we can be part of that, you know, um, to really, again, amplify uh, those voices, talk about those stories, really like have those unseated voices, um, those unseated stories and, you know, mm-hmm. really bring it into this unseated news program.
1: Yeah, I think it really shows that, like, it, that you're not alone. When, when you're talking about how much you kind of had a little bit of hatred for yourself or trying to figure out who you are mm-hmm. or where you belong, I, I could relate to that myself. So it's like the more we talk about it, um, the more other people here on the radio, in this room, they could, under, they could relate and understand and we could figure out who we are and what we want to do.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: um yeah. there was this I was, when I was in Vancouver not too long ago, there was this very cool ceremony It was a squamish ceremony I forget the name of it, but it's a very spiritual one i'm not a very spiritual person um but um the practice was they guess they kind of um would ask the people what their grievances were or stresses were um and then with that information they would I guess like the chief would ask everyone there in the whole room in the big hall. Um, if they could relate to this problem, say this woman, she is struggling with um, depression because I guess her family member committed suicide. So, mm-hmm. what did this the chief ask? Ask everyone in the whole room, ask everyone in the whole hall um, uh, to stand up and come up with us if they have struggled with um, depression or sadness from having someone, in, in a loved one, kill themselves. So, it's, it's very powerful and very heavy to see maybe 80 percent of the room come up and stand beside that person that is grieving and she could look around and see a whole room of people get up and stand that you know we're here with you you know so Mm -hmm. i I think we're kind of doing that but we're wanting to do that on the radio
3: montreal in particular that um like, it's a gathering place, uh, a place of energy, I guess, is the way I was taught um, about about. even though it's, like, a, on Mohawk land. It's, like, a place where there was a, a, traditionally a lot of different nations coming to do trade. But what I wanted to say about, like, um, uh, the urban uh, voices is that um, a lot... And now there's a trend, like, with a lot of Native people they are coming to the cities, I guess, because they it's fun to live in the city, but we, 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 we also have... Um, we have our nations, and we have our places, like where we come from. So, um, it's just—I it, hope we explore like uh, voices from from different like people. It was like really Kuriang. nice here, yeah, to know like that we 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 have our languages, and that we like even in in Quebec, we have to remember that uh, the they're 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 pushing um, all these schools to to learn. To learn French, but we still, we have to fight to make sure that the communities get to learn their languages, get too. Get to learn our
0: ag- languages and get to share our voice. And um, thank yeah. you for that, Trina.
4: Okay, and, thanks.
0: And uh, we'll, we'll <laughs> be back in a few weeks. So, so, again, like that's I think one of those other pan-indigenous concepts, you know, it's, it's our relationship with colonialism, um, the, those negative outcomes, that, that were there and purposeful. And I think it's something we're going to be able to delve into um, as we continue the show um, every two weeks. Um, I, I welcome everybody to uh, tune in next week to listen to our friends at Nipavit um, and know that we'll be back the following week later. Can you just talk uh, to another- just a quick, what yes. is Nipavit? Just for
2: the peeps who don't know. Yeah,
0: Nipavit's an amazing, uh, another indigenous radio program. It's the voice of the Inuit people. Um, They've been going for quite a while now and uh, really, really exciting. If you ever get a chance to listen to it, we'll be sharing the 6 p.m. time slot um, every Tuesday. So one week you'll have us. The next week you'll have Nipavit. Um, Really looking forward to the show next week. Um, So, yeah, we'll be back Uh, In two weeks' time, stay tuned for Soul Perspective coming up
4: on 90.3 CKUT. Um, And I look forward to seeing everybody soon.